Good morning, good morning, dear friends on the path. When I, before I came to the Dharma, and I, um, I think I mentioned that there was one of the very early conferences for Jewish lesbians, bisexual, trans, um, in uh, um, Oregon at, oh, I've forgotten the name of the land, but it put out a magazine for years and years, one of those early um, communities and communes that were in Oregon in the 70s. And um, after the conference, my friend Tashima, who's been here on uh, work retreats several times, and I went up to the top of the mountain that was on the land, and we did a circle. We actually did a peyote circle that night. And in the morning, um, we were looking at the sunrise, and then it, it, it wasn't really that... Um, um, such a revelation, but just this clarity that the United States was going to devolve into a more fascist state, like just the sort of clarity of that's what's going to happen in the future. And so I, t I turned to Toshima and said, we have to build a woman's liberationist army. And... Um, why am I telling you this? I have no idea what that initial <laughs> thought was. Oh, I know what it was. So, and so we, um, we decided to, uh, to start traveling around the United States in this VW van organizing woman. And, um, I won't, so anyway, there's a long story which I won't say, but why I was reminded of that is just that that kind of organizing has was the very first movement to this type of organizing. And maybe organizing isn't exactly the right word. And maybe it is because the work that we're doing becomes the condition for the transformation of fascism. So I know a lot of teachers don't say that, but given that was one of my um, guiding insights on that mountain, and I mean even before because of my heritage, but it really became so alive that what I'm doing, I'm doing for my own liberation, that I might be able to support the liberation movement and we could say for the ending of fascism, but maybe even with more clarity for the lifting up of respect, honor, and care in all expressions of life. So when I greet you, I this morning, I wanted to greet you in that landscape. Uh, uh, good morning in that landscape. And, um, and so we've been talking about, uh, the 
particular perspective that supports this um, honoring and respect and caring. And the Buddha is, is, and all the lineage holders, there isn't one that doesn't hold this perspective that by orienting our perception towards impermanence or anicca, non-self or anatta, the unsatisfactoriness of conditioned life or dukkha, that there isn't this result of the opening of the heart and mind into that way of relating and perceiving life. And not just as a way of, as that life begins to express itself in those energetic expressions, movements, responses. And so then I wanted to um, offer that as a guided meditation. Um, so first let me, let me just as a reminder go through uh, these particular invitations to support the way we relate or perceive our experience. Because it's not like they're an entity as a sort of object to know, but it's a way of relating, and the way of relating it is held in how we perceive our experience or how we know it. And, and those two words are really important words or point to something very important because perception is so conditioned. And we think that what we're perceiving is real, but it's conditioned. And so I just want to go to, and perhaps you all have something similar, a book that Malcolm Gladwell wrote, um, and I can't remember what the title of it was. But he was talking about why is it that policemen, not only white policemen, but predominantly policemen, are so fearful and feel so threatened that they pull out their guns and shoot without good reason. And it is because of how they perceive people of color. And the conditioning because of racism is to when you see a person with a dark skin, they they are seen as dangerous without anyone having to do anything. And so it's in the perception, it's how they are seeing with their eyes through the conditioned lens of racism. Or we could say the same about sexism and the number of women who are beaten and raped because of how women are perceived as lesser than, as, as in a way inviting the rape and the beatings. 
because of the way we're framed. And so when we perceive ourselves as less than, having having given these examples, we're doing the same thing. I mean, just to really name it in a way that might help us not to believe it, that those perceptions are distorted and conditioned. And so coming to this beautiful practice of beginning to discern how am I perceiving my experience? Often I say how am and are we relating to it? But this actually becomes more specific. And the antidote to it is not, and we can re-educate ourselves cognitively. But have you wondered why after all these trainings, like for my mom, when she moved back to South Africa, she um, um, was invited by the um, head of the police force to do trainings, anti-racist trainings for the police force. And she agreed, because that was her work had been doing that in England. Not only for the police force, but she was in an, she was part, she had a company that did that work of, of um, challenging discrimination in government organizations, European and English government organizations. And I know there have been so many trainings everywhere and so many organizations, including those of us who are white and our training, and how hard it is to actually shift things. And it's, and it's not only a cognitive process, it's a perceptual one as well. It goes deeper. It, I could sit, and we know this already, that it actually goes into the core building blocks of identity, of ego, like core. So, but that maybe is another talk, but for now, for now. I'm acknowledging the power of this perceptual process that has been conditioned and the Buddha's antidote to it. And it is to notice a Nietzsche, a Nata, and Dukkha. That that is the process that begins to unlock that identification. And, and it covers everything. And again, it doesn't mean we don't get specific. We can, and cognitively we can, but this goes underneath that. So, might be that many of you have talked, have, you know, heard many, many reminders. And so of Anicca, and I'm just going to say two sentences, that everything is changing all the time. There isn't anything that doesn't change unless 
you are in a place of nirvana or a fully awakened arahant, then the way in those, in, in, well, anicca happens if you're an arahant, but in the unconditioned, there's no impermanence, the, the same laws don't operate apart from that. Everything is changing all the time. And even if you are in a deva realm and you're living there for 50,000 years, it'll change. And at some point, you have to leave the deva realm. There is no part of the universe that isn't changing apart from the unconditioned state. So, everywhere is changing. And it's only because of the perceptual conditioning that we are unable to live in that reality. There is no self, there is no I, but dependent origination in cycles over and over again. And that is that our conditions determine how we misunderstand life and make our experience an I, when actually that I is just arising and passing away like everything else. That, that is, I don't mean I, well, the experience of the I, but more that the whole body-mind-mental process is arising and passing away based on the six sense spaces. That misunderstanding and so we solidify certain opinions and beliefs and emotions, negative and positive. And, and like a bird builds a nest, but we're doing it not just with very soft, feathery things and little twigs. It's like we're doing it with concrete. Not like more than concrete, because concrete dissolves, but like some long, long plutonium, something very, very long-lasting that according to the Buddha goes on for thousands of years unless we challenge it through lives of reincarnation. So very, very, doesn't change very easily, right? That the ways we build ourselves into a self as against supporting this... Uh, interconnected um, clarity of how we are life and how life is lived. And then dukkha is the misunderstanding that conditioned life, our bodies and, and our friends and our lovers and our pets and everything about life can somehow fix itself in something that is ongoing pleasant, is an ongoing pleasant experience. That we believe that if we just get it right, it's going to be okay. But it's not about getting it right, because the very nature of our lives and life is that it is always going to be unsatisfactory the conditions, how we relate to that then becomes the invitation. But so that it's that, you know, 
I've mentioned it so, so often for those of us who control freaks, that I have to control it. I have to control it to try and make it something, life, something that's more palatable. Even when I know better. And, and, and so it's that misunderstanding of where our liberation and freedom are, and it's not in the conditioned world. It is not in the conditioned world. It is through developing these wholesome and beautiful qualities that begin to purify our perception so that we're living in accordance with life as it really is. And that's where freedom is, rather than moving the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle around. So those are the three, the three um, um, invitations the Buddha offered to liberate us from the misunderstandings that we see and continue to support over and over and over again, perceive rather than see, perceive. So then I hope that helps you to feel happy about um, uh, dedicating this day. If it feels like it's conducive for, for you to dedicating this day to reminding yourself over and over again about the th- these three laws and why they're so important. Invitations. These three invitations to liberation. The lawfulness is that they, if we don't practice them, then we are in suffering. Having said that, if this happens to be a moment in your mind where you just feel like you're in the middle of a crashing storm, then you can just drop my guidance because there's no point in struggling with something that isn't supportive of where you are at the moment. So you get to choose. Hmm. I'm ready for this or I'm not. And that's wisdom. So just deciding. Or I can take a tiny bit of it, but not too much. Fine. (laughs) So then, just taking like four minutes or five minutes or so to gather yourselves, collect yourselves in the ways that feel most supportive for you right now.
acknowledging the posture. Part of the many changing postures in our life for this moment, how it is for you. some touch points that are accessible to know. Maybe the feet or buttocks. And then, if it feels comfortable turning towards your breath and the movement of your breath, settling there. And now, rather than noticing the detailed expressions, the physical expressions of that breath in the stretching, rising, falling, or the movement of the air, opening to the very beginning of the the breath and how it's arising and then how it leaves, goes. And that, how it, it leaves into emptiness. It's not going anywhere. It, and how the In-breath doesn't come from a place, how it arises, coming into life. It lives and then leaves. Leaves. And then another breath, unique not exactly the same, arising, lives, passes away, leaves. Tracking the beginning of the arising, its life and it's leaving. 
every breath a new arising and passing. If it's helpful, you can support that perception with the labeling, arising, passing. Relaxing in the eyes. It's not the eyes, but the knowing that knows it. Relaxing in the body. The body knows how to breathe. Wisdom guiding. Relaxing into the wisdom of reality. When emotion arises, fear or something else, acknowledging it makes sense, relaxing and then returning to the breath. It might be that what's predominant is that there isn't a person, I, breathing, but breath, breathing, and knowing, knowing it, anatta, a process happening without a conductor.
relaxing, letting it appear rather than searching for it. It is already arising and passing. Notice when the mind moves towards the breath, wanting it a certain way or away from it. opening to the universe as it really is, in constant flux and change.
not me or mine. Life. Living through us. Us as life. Relaxing, opening, arising and passing, breath and awareness. Nothing outside of that. Changing, changing.
Thank you for your practice this morning.